Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily from March 21st, 2018. On today's show, we'll be talking about film news, followed by a mailbag segment discussing if all the big movie releases should be required viewing for film bloggers. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, before we get into our mailbag segment, we do have a bit of uh, film news, and that is the Pacific Rim 2, Pacific Rim Uprising uh, reviews have hit the web. Um, So we have the early buzz. Ben, I know you've seen the film. Is it any good? Uh, I would say that it's terrible, guys. Uh, (laughs) I despised this movie. Uh, I I, I was not a fan of it at all. And I I mean, look, I, I think... Uh, wait wait, wait first, a second. Were, were you a fan of the first film? Yeah, that's what I was just getting ready to get into. I, I think the first movie is fine. It's like um, it's a little goofy, but it, you can tell that there's some some real um, feeling to it. There's some real effort being put in. This one just feels very surface level and there's nothing there's nothing there. there there's it's just all smash and grab nonsense. And then uh but not even in a fun way. That's the thing. It's like I was I was sort of dreading this movie, but I was I went into it like, okay, maybe at least if the action is good, then I'll be pleased with this whole thing. Like that's a pretty low bar, and I personally did not feel like it cleared that bar. But the early buzz online seems to disagree with me for the most part. I think a lot of people agree that the first half is pretty bad. It's pretty boring. And then it gets really crazy when the the actual action starts to kick in with all the the Kaiju Jaeger fights that happen as this movie ramps up. And I, I guess everyone else was more entertained with that aspect of the movie than I was because we wrote a whole article about the early buzz on this movie and Uh, Like Jordan Hoffman says, the first half of Pacific Rim 2 is worse than visiting the dentist. The second half is literally (laughs) the best thing that has happened to me in weeks. And I'm like, wow, if that's the best thing that's happened to you in weeks, man, I don't know. Um, But yeah, there, there are a lot of people who sort of echo that sentiment. Um, I I love Angie Hans. 
<laughs> what she says is you, she, you oh yeah go ahead uh she says uh you know that scene in every part uh party movie where the main characters take drugs and they go from uh this is lame and uh i don't feel anything to i, I don't even know how to say that out loud which <laughs> <laughs> i'll give it a shot uh, to <laughs> yes, holy shit! That's the experience <laughs> of watching Pacific Rim Uprising. Now, I love Angie, but she also loved Wrinkle in Time. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> she also loves Batman vs Superman. So <laughs> Angie's lovely. You guys know she's a former slash filmer, but uh, I, I I like Angie because she sometimes is, has very different opinions and, and runs away from the pack. So take that with the, with the Angie Han size grain of salt. <laughs> the one good thing about this movie, I will say, is John Boyega. He is he is really terrific and just oozes charisma the entire time. And he makes this thing watchable just by himself from sheer force of will. It's like one of those examples that I want to point to when everybody says movie stars aren't a thing anymore. It's like, look at John Boyega in this movie and imagine somebody else in this role and imagine how terrible it would be without him there. Um, and it's already pretty bad as it is, I think, but I don't know. I'm interested for some of you guys to see it, to, to, uh, either corroborate my views or tell me that I'm crazy and and not having enough fun with these robots smashing each other because, uh, I I really wanted to have fun with this one guys, but, uh, there's just something about it. I couldn't, couldn't, uh, make it work. Well, I do, I do want to say, uh, Dalen Rowell, one of our freelancers saw it last night. And she she grew up watching mecha anime, and she says that it reminded her so much of like the obscure, weird, cartoony uh, anime she used to watch when she was a kid. So if that's the thing that appeals to you, I think it may be a movie for that audience, not necessarily for um, everybody, but for people who already have that love inside of them. I I, I found some enjoyment even in Justice League, which was was critically destroyed. Um, so I'm I'm hoping for the best here. Although it seems like Guillermo del Toro not being involved, uh, you know, I don't know. As much of what I liked about the first Pacific Rim was kind of the Guillermo del Toro weirdness of uh, the the take on that and the world building. Um, ben, you have an interview with John Boyega, who you mentioned, which yes. I will link in the show notes, and we will play on a, a future episode of Slash on Daily if you want to hear it for yourself. Um, but let's get into the mailbag. And uh, it, it, th- last week, Don E. wrote in that uh, he heard for the second time uh, one of our critics, quote-unquote, uh, talk about a movie they haven't seen and never will. The first being bright on Netflix because you didn't want to contribute to the Netflix numbers uh, that have watched the film, and the second being the original Fantastic Beasts, which Ben said he didn't see because he thought the trailers looked cheesy. I realize you can't see every movie that comes out. There's just not enough time to do so. But both of those movies are certainly not the worst or obscure movies out there. Isn't it your whole job to criticize movies? Uh, that can't be done if you don't see them. I mean, it sucks uh, to walk out of a movie theater or turn off the TV, but at least give it a shot. It's very puzzling that you guys judge stuff without seeing it. I love your show and hope you will address the issue. Thanks for your time. Uh, now, um, I don't know. I guess where do we start with this this question? Because I think it actually is an interesting question. You know, we... We are not uh, – I don't think anybody on this podcast uh, – would, would any of you consider yourself a film critic primarily? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't write reviews very often. Uh, I think 
cultural I mean, commentator sounds highfalutin, but I feel like that's more of what we do most of the time. I'd like to think of myself as a film critic, but I'm not like, you know, snobby about it. At least I hope not. Makes sense, Chris, because you do a lot of reviews for the site. So that's more uh, sort of in line with what the traditional uh, job title is, I guess. Right. But but, but even what Chris does is I, I would say the majority of the work you do in writing about film is not film uh, is not film reviews. Correct. I mean, no, yeah, I definitely do a lot more uh, other stuff than film criticism, yeah. Um, and I, I think um, the evolution of film criticism, there used to be like these newspapers that would employ film critics like Roger Ebert, and their entire job was just to see movies and write reviews of movies. And uh, sadly, those jobs are becoming few and far between. Uh, most of the uh, critics that you read that write reviews – generally are doing some other work maybe they're writing you know features on old older films or whatnot like it, it's there's rarely a film critic job uh available at many of these um outlets um but uh okay so i guess uh, let's start off here uh what is now that we've established aside from chris <laughs> we're not film critics um what uh what is the requirement for us on uh, as film or what did you what do you call us, Jacob? Uh, cultural commentators is my highfalutin word. Cultural, com- I'm just going to call us film bloggers or <laughs> pop culture bloggers or something. I, I know people hate the word bloggers. I, I don't know. I've always embraced it. Uh, you know, our tagline of the site is uh, blogging the real world. So, uh, okay, so uh, us as film bloggers or pop culture bloggers, uh, what is our responsibility to see new releases? Uh, Jacob. Uh, This is an interesting question for me because uh, a year and a half ago, I would have been seeing everything because I was uh, full-time freelance and it was sort of out pounding pavement, trying to get work, trying to find jobs, trying to get everything rolling, trying to say, I've seen everything, hire me, I can write about this, that, and everything. But now that I've moved into an editorial position at Slashfilm, I don't see as much as I used to, and I'm allowed to be pickier because I'm allowed to go out there and find people who are seeing everything and get them to write about it for us. And I can uh, concentrate on the things that interest me and things that I'm passionate about. And this is where it's, this is where it's interesting because uh, I don't think a critic or a writer should be forced to see everything. I think they should have their education in place. I think they should see the classics. I think that they should stay on top of the big trends. But I think if they skip a blockbuster or two because it does not appeal them, because it does not interest them, because it does not instill or, or fulfill a passion in them then that's perfectly okay uh i think the worst film criticism is when people write about a movie that is just of so little interest in them they can't even muster up the enthusiasm to give the time of day so i think it's more important uh in this day and age for writers to uh champion the things they love rather than drag on the things they have no interest in uh, i know for bright being example that was brought up in the email i had no interest in bright every single writer i spoke to did not like it uh i had it so i could either subject myself to it uh, and maybe write about it and have negative things to say, or I could spend that time watching things that I'm legitimately interested in things that make me happy, excited and thrilled to, uh, about movies and about TV and spend that time in that direction. So that's my answer, but yeah. I'm curious what you guys think. No, I think one of the points you bring up is one of the points I always bring up when we're talking about the difference between film critics and, movie uh the general movie watching public and that is uh the general movie watching public invests their money in movies they want to see 
movies that they have an interest in. And people that write about film and film critics uh, in the old sense of things would see, you know, all the new releases, despite if they had any interest in that movie genre or filmmaker, actor. Do you know what I mean? Uh, They would... be forced to see the emoji movie, even though they had no interest in seeing the emoji movie. And uh, I think the result of that is you see a lot of um, that is where you see the most the biggest divide, I think, between audiences and critics is people getting paid to see things that they would n- never in their right mind ever be interested in seeing. And, and uh, you know, people reading them expecting a result other than they totally destroy it. Um so I don't know. I, I agree with what you're saying, Jacob, that like, you know, uh, as people, you know, we, we all love movies and TV. Uh, and I think our job to write about movies and TV, uh, we should not force ourselves to watch stuff that we, we don't think we would enjoy. Um, ben, do you have any thoughts on, on this? I, because th- this kind of spurred from your, your comment that you, you did not want to watch Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, and I mean, like, I didn't really care for the Harry Potter films that much. So part of it was just like, I wasn't really thrilled about the idea of diving into another seven movies or whatever this is ultimately going to end up being, um, where, you know, I I didn't necessarily appreciate the uh, foundation that was already set there. Um, You know, the, the email says, it's very puzzling to me that you guys judge stuff without seeing it. And I think... For me, anyway, I'm trying my best not to judge things without seeing it. Like, I won't write an, an article that uh, pretends to, you know, speak with any sort of level of authority on a movie that I haven't seen because it doesn't make any sense. You can, you know, there, there are so many places on the Internet where you can read somebody who has seen it and can properly contextualize things. And I think... And you know what, Jake, it should be noted that there's a difference between... You have an opinion on a movie you haven't seen and you having an opinion on the marketing and the, you know. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Totally. And and I think, you know, what Jacob said was absolutely true. And, and we also, uh, you know, skipping one or two blockbusters or something like that does not necessarily mean that you don't have a grasp of the trends at large, which is a, a big part of what we write about on the site all the time, just sort of taking a macro view of what Hollywood is doing. So I feel like you don't necessarily have to see every single thing to be able to speak authoritatively on that subject, um, which is something that we do all the time. But Chris, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, Ben, uh, <laughs> and, and it should be uh, there, said out of all of us, Chris is the person that probably sees the most movies every year. I think you've said what last year you saw like four or 500 movies or something. Yeah. I mean, I, and I wish I could see more honestly, but, um, yeah, uh, the problem is if, if you want to criticize a movie by actually writing a review without having seen the movie, then yes, that is absolutely a problem. No one should do that. And, there are people who write whole editorials and they start off by saying, now I haven't seen this movie yet. And the minute I see that I instantly hit the X because I don't really give a shit about what you think about a movie if you haven't seen it yet. But that said, if you're criticizing the marketing, you know, or, you know, a preconceived notion, like, you know, bright is a, is a David Ayer film and David Ayer hasn't made a good film uh, maybe ever. So I, 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 I think it's okay to take a, you know, a, an assumption and say, this probably isn't good. That said, 
if I ever see Bright and I think it's a good movie, I'll be the first one to admit, hey, you know what? This movie actually is pretty good. But, you know, I'll give a specific example. Um, uh, the, the recent Power Rangers film. I did not see that in theaters. I thought, what the hell is the point of this movie? I have no interest in this. I have no nostalgia built up for the Power Rangers. It looked dumb. Uh, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, I watched it for you know, uh, the streaming column I write for Slash Film, and I actually really enjoyed it. I won't call it a good movie, but it was an entertaining film. And I said that in my write-up for the streaming column. You know, like this is a surprisingly entertaining movie. So, you know, I, I think if it, it, there's a difference between saying that doesn't really look good to me, I probably won't see it, and actually seeing something and being like, Oh, you know what? That actually is good. But to, to assume that you can't voice an opinion on something, you know, uh, without ever having seen it, that just seems a little silly to me. It, you know, the opinion is on the marketing. It's on how you think it's going to turn out. But the problem is when you, you stick that opinion, no matter what, and you say, you know, this is bad, no matter what anyone says, you know, I, I've always looked at slash film, to be more about the excitement of getting, you know, getting excited for movies. You know, much of what we do is we write about, you know, the development process of, you know, there's a script being written, written of this, this movie, a director gets cast. Here's uh, uh, the casting for the movie. You know, here's the writer, you know, Oh, here's the first trailer of what we thought. Let's like break down the first trail. You know, we're, we're kind of going along that process and, you know, uh, Slash film started in, in 2005, so at this point we have almost 13 years of of the of the site, and there are projects that we're still talking about that are have been in development for those 13 years uh, that I, you know I've been writing about for 12 or 13 years now, um, and it's it, it's interesting to go through that that pr- process, but I, I've never. Um, not going to say we're not about reviews. We, you know, we do reviews a lot. We do, you know, uh, features and top ten lists. Uh, the Slash Filmcast as a podcast is more of the review podcast side of of, of uh, the Slash Film Podcast Empire. Um, Slash Film Daily, I think, is more of an extension of the the news side of the site. Um, not not that we don't do reviews here. Obviously, you know, Ben was just talking about his thoughts on Pacific Rim too, and you know, we do these water cooler segments where we talk about what we've been watching. But I, I don't think we would ever do a water cooler segment about something we haven't seen. <laughs> but um, but I think it's fair game to like talk about the marketing. Uh, Jacob, now uh, you are the managing editor of Slash Home, so Don in his letter kind of brings up uh, kind of a view on film criticism of like you know we should be covering. Uh, everything that's kind of a major release and I, uh, and, and you being a managing editor of the site as a whole, um, is that something that should be something we should strive to do or should we be striving to, you know, write about the stuff we're interested in and our readers are interested in primarily? Uh, This is something I think about every single day and speak. And ever since I became managing editor, our readers and listeners may know there's been, Notice there's been a lot more voices on the site, a lot of different writers who come in on a freelance basis to cover movies for us, write features for us, write reviews. For example, um, uh, Karen Hahn and Josh Spiegel, two writers I adore, whose work is lovely, um, write regular reviews for us. And that's because uh, our jobs don't always make it easy for us to review everything, don't make it easy for us to see everything. But I have an email list of an incredibly diverse army of writers. And I say, okay, here's a movie that's coming out. It's a big deal. No one on the staff is excited about it. 
I'll send an email and say, hey, who is excited? Because I'd much rather have a writer who is pumped for a movie who says, I, this is up my alley, I dig this, I want to write about this, and shovel it off to a staff writer who's going to sigh and say, okay, I'll force something out. So my whole thing has always been, you know, why make Ben write about Harry Potter when uh, HT, who's not on the podcast today, can write about it instead? And when HT is super excited about the new Fantastic Beast movie and she puts that in her trailer breakdown, uh, why not have Lindsay Romain, one of our other uh, freelance writers, write an article about why she, why as a longtime Harry Potter fan, she's so bummed out by the new movies? So I am constantly thinking about, okay, who has seen what? Who likes what? Who is a fan of something? And who's a fan who's disappointed? This is my, <laughs> I'd say about 75% of my day is trying to figure out how I can find, how we can present content and represent upcoming movies and coverage in ways so that the best foot forward is there, so that the right, the right writer is on the correct article and the right freelancer is taking the right approach to the right material. And it's a it's a big job, and I take it very seriously. And I understand maybe listening to the podcast or only reading certain writers may give that point of view, but I think as a whole, our site does a really good job of covering every angle and every major movie. And like I said, I'm open to criticism, and I, I'm taking this email like very seriously. Um, but I really yeah, do I, I don't like think we, 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 we do this. Yeah, I don't think this is like our response saying you're wrong. Uh, I think this is us having a discussion about this this email, a serious discussion. Uh, it, it's I, I do think a lot of these websites you go onto, in these forums you go onto, and even like social media you go onto, you are seeing your opinion reflected back on you by other people like-minded people uh and um one of the things i love that jacob has kind of brought to the site uh since becoming managing editor is we we now have a, a hugely more diverse um group of freelancers writing for the site um you know a couple weeks ago is international women's day and i wrote this tweet uh you know, um, thanking all the women that make Slash Film possible. And I could barely fit all the the Twitter names in one tweet. And I, you know, I, um, and that, that that's all Jacob's doing. And I think, um, uh, and not to be like, you know, patting ourselves on the back or whatever, but like, I think, uh, you know, part of what we're trying to do is not just reflect your opinion back on you. You know, we do, uh, we have a lot of people of the opposite sex. We have a lot of people uh, of color. We have, um, you know, pieces that are like soapboxes and, you know, rants and unpopular opinions that, you know, someone writing about a movie that a lot of people don't love that they love and uh, writing about a movie that a lot of people love that they hate. Um, and I, I kind of love that we're, you know, challenging our audience in, in, in some way. Yeah, yeah for to, sure. To, to jump on real quick and then I'll let Ben have the floor again. Uh, I guess to tie, tie what Peter just said back to the original email, it's the idea that, um, yeah, we won't see, Ben won't see Fantastic Beast or we won't see Bright, uh, but that doesn't mean that somebody on Slash Film won't see it and won't write about it. Uh, and that's and like I said, that's important to us. So even if in the podcast we, we dismiss it, the site itself won't dismiss it. And we think that's more important than having all of us be up to date on that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I probably still won't watch Bright, but I think ultimately I will eventually sit down and watch Fantastic Beast just because it is going to be a cultural force for so many years, whether I like it or not. And yeah, I probably, you know, just to make it easier for myself and for my fellow staff members and stuff, like I feel like it's probably something I should do just so I can write about 
the next casting development for the third movie in the franchise or whatever. And I don't have to push that off to HT because she might be busy writing about something else that she loves. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I like to think that we have uh, an open enough policy that um, the writers on the site are able to write about the things that they care about. And that's part of what makes Slash Film so great, I think. So I don't know what else more needs to be said than that. And I think that's well said. Um, I, I do know a lot of other sites are way more into, you know, uh, assignments of people getting assignments to, to write about certain things that they might not necessarily love or know about. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, we've talked about this in the past, but uh, our Slash Film uh, group of our, our normal staff that writes about uh, film news and stuff, you know, we, we pick the assignments based on what we uh like and what we know about um sometimes you know sometimes there's no one else around that uh you know that likes a certain thing that someone has to write about it because it's big news but uh you know it is kind of a, a assignment by um by by the writer themselves uh so anyways i i think i would like to hear from uh chris uh see if he has any closing thoughts on this I mean, yeah, I just want to, you know, reiterate what I said already, where, you know, it's I, I understand the point of this letter. I, I don't even disagree with it 100 um, percent. But I, I, I still think there's a fine line between criticizing uh, marketing versus criticizing the film itself. And, uh, you know, like I said, if if I criticize a film before I see it and then I see it and it turns out to be good, I will be the very first person to admit that. And I also want to state that I never go into a movie wanting it to be bad. And I feel like any critic who does that is doing the job wrong. Like, you know, I may have grumbled about, you know, Justice League before seeing it, but when I go to the theater, when I sit down to watch that movie, I my fingers are crossed that it's going to turn out to be a good movie. Because if it's not a good movie, it's it's going to be painful. I'm going to be sitting there for two and a half hours not enjoying it. There's there's nothing I want more than to enjoy a film I'm about to see. So if it turns out to be bad, I'm not going to you know lie to myself and be like, well, you know, that wasn't too bad. You know. But, you know, I'm going to be I, I want honesty is what I, I guess I'm saying. I, you know, I, I, I when I go to a movie, I want it to be good. But if it's not good, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to come out of the film and say, eh, that was OK. You know, I, you know if, if a movie sucks, I'm going to say it sucks. But I don't go into a movie hoping it fails. And I feel like anyone who does do that they're they're becoming like you know the critic in the in birdman where they're just out to destroy a film and i don't think anyone yeah. should approach art like that and we shouldn't say that nobody does doesn't do that because there probably are people out there um you know we we've seen we've talked about with the rotten tomatoes bit of uh, you know kind of like these uh people that are trying to take the adverse opinion just to you know spike the rating or to to yeah. get attention um let me let me rephrase. I don't think anyone who takes the job seriously does that. I feel like if you are doing that, you're just a jerk. You don't actually care about being a film critic. You're just trying to start something. But I, I think anyone who takes this job seriously, they approach a film 
in a serious way. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, anybody that sees a movie with me at a screening at a, at Sundance, and this is a practice that happened at Sundance. It's funny that you mentioned, um, you know, you hope that something's good. Like before one, the lights are starting to go down and the picture goes up with the logo. You will, if you look over at me, you'll see me put my hands up together and say, uh, you know, to, uh, like as if I'm praying and say, please be good. And I, I will do this with every movie. Like I literally do this. Um, my girlfriend hates me for doing it. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, every movie I go see, I want to be my new favorite movie. And, um, you know, even if I'm suspecting that will not be the case. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jacob, do you have any final thoughts on, on this? I agree with Chris. <laughs> okay, so I think that leads Thanks. us to the end of uh, today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, where can people find more of your work online, Chris? Uh, I'm at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at evangelist 413 Drop me a line. Ben, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at SlashFilm.com. I want to pimp a uh, video that I made. I talked about it on the podcast earlier this week. I went to the Ready Player One experience, and I cut together uh, a video of that. So check that out. You can find it at SlashFilm.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. Jacob, where can people find you? I'm on SlashFilm.com every single day, and I'm on Twitter at Jacob S. Hall. And since Ben pimped something, I'm going to pimp our uh, new column starting tomorrow, uh, our own Rob Hunter has been is being forced by me and Peter to watch directed video sequels to theatrically released movies and write about them. So look for that starting tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that that is very cool. Uh, you can find me at slashfilm.com and you, you can find uh, the the Pacific Rim reviews as well as uh, the Ready Player One video that Ben talked about and uh, his Boyega interview linked in the show notes. Uh, Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and television, as well as deeper dives into the great features on Slashfilm.com. Uh, you can subscribe to Slashfilm Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send your email to peter at Slashfilm.com. It could appear in the mailbag, just like Dawn's email did today. Uh, please go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.